Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Well, with all the water, I thought I'd preach a uh, sermon. Let's go fishing. <laughs> if you have your uh, Bible today, if you turn with me to John 21, verse 3. Simon Peter said to the disciples, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and entered the ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. From the very beginning of Christianity, there has been kind of a closeness uh, related to uh, fishing. It's all throughout uh, the scripture. Many of the disciples, as you know, were uh, fishermen. That was their profession before the Lord uh, called them to follow him. Uh, When Jesus issued his call to them, he told them, he said, Come and follow me, and I'll make you not fishers of fish, but fishers of men. And they joined in and became fishers of men. Well, several of the miracles of our Lord were about fish. You remember those? The uh, one where he fed the 5,000 and he turned uh, uh, two fish into a whole bunch of fish and fed the whole crowd. You remember the coin that he extracted from the mouth of a fish that just happened to uh, come up to the top of the water and they reached in and got that coin and that provided the money to pay their taxes. Uh, Then there was the abundance of fish caught after the night when uh, they hadn't caught a single thing. Uh, Jesus led and they caught a whole lot. And then the fish furnished to the disciples after the resurrection. uh, When the Bible says their nets were full, but the nets did not break. In addition to all of those things, one of the ancient symbols of the church, as I'm sure you know, was the fish. Usually we think of the symbol being selected to represent Christians as fishers of men. Actually, the fish was used because of an acrostic uh, made from the letters of the Greek word for fish, uh, which was the secret creed of all true believers in that day. You remember the word, you've probably heard this at church somewhere, ichthus, you remember that? Uh, That uh, word, if you take it as an acrostic, is Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Uh, That was literally the creed of the early church. Those were the things that they wanted to present to their neighbors that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and that he is our Savior. And of course, that is still our creed today. Today, it's no secret. Uh, We shout it from the mountaintops. Today, uh, that's an obvious message that is given uh, here and there and and everywhere the, the Lord is lifted up. Fishing and Christianity have always been closely related I heard a story about two men that were out on a fish bank fishing. One of the men, after a couple hours, he said, you know, I feel real guilty. We, we really should have gone to church today. And the other man said, well, I, I couldn't have gone to church today. Anyway, my wife is sick. <laughs> <clears throat> 
It comes, you know, it comes. <laughs> this morning, I want us to go fishing at church. Uh, I want us to think of the church as a pond and of the individual people that are here and in churches literally all across the world today as the fish. Let's see what kind of fish we can catch today in the church pond. Number one, uh, the first fish I want us to think about, we can surely catch one of these in, in a church pond somewhere. I don't think in our immediate area, but uh, there's some of these around. Uh, the eel, think about the eel. Some might not realize this, but the eel is a part of the fish family. It's a slimy fish, and it has a cylindrical uh, body. Because of the shape of the body and the texture of the body covering, it's uh, very slimy, very slippery, and you just can't hardly grab hold of an eel. It just, you know, it just uh, gets away from you. They just keep slipping out of your hand. Some Christians are like that. When they first join the church, they give every indication of a deep devotion, of a courageous commitment that they're making to God. They take positions of responsibility. They really get excited about everything. But then suddenly, you know, it seems like they're gone. You know, we don't know where they went, but they're gone. Uh, one Sunday, you think these are the most dedicated people in the world. And the next Sunday, uh, they might be home in bed, or they might be on a golf course, or they might have gone fishing. Uh, they might be motivated by some other momentary infatuation. They're hot and cold, strong one minute and weak the next. When everything is going their way, they are really on fire. But if the least little thing, you know, is not just exactly right, then their flame seems to go out. In the words of the popular song from some years back, when they're hot, they're hot, and when they're not, they are not. Uh, if their lives can be described in one word, it's the word inconsistent. These were the kind of people who faced Elijah on Mount Carmel. You remember that? First uh, Kings uh, 18. Uh, they were up there, you remember? And uh, Elijah, of course, was close to God. Elijah's question to these eels of the church of yesterday was this. How long limp ye between opinions? That's the question uh, uh, to the eels of our day all across our great country. Uh, those who come to church only when they feel like it, uh, to those who are on fire at first, but they uh, finished, uh, fizzled out, uh, to those inconsistent members of today's church, Elijah needs to say, how long limp ye between the two opinions? If the Lord is God, then serve him. If the world is God, then serve it. But make up your mind and go and do uh, what you're going to do. Jesus needs disciples that he can count on, that he can really count on. Well, the second fish that I wanted to talk about in the church pond today is the flounder. Do you all know all about uh, flounders? 
The flounder is a member of the flatfish family. Did you know that? They are. They're one of the strangest creatures in the deep. Uh, most fish are bilaterally symmetrical. Uh, but a flatfish has everything on one side of the body. Uh, they're not born this way. When the flounder is first born, uh, it has an eye on both sides. But as the time approaches for it to give up its free swimming habit and it begins to settle down on the bottom of the ocean floor, one of the eyes gradually uh, moves over to the other side. And you have two eyes right together on one side. Well, you know, on the lower side, because they're on the floor of the ocean, you don't need an eye over there. So uh, both eyes are on the upper side. A flounder is a fish with both eyes on one side of the body. A lot of Christians are like that. They uh, have both eyes on the same side of their body. When a problem comes or when a crisis comes or when a great need comes, they can see only one side of the issue. They're so narrow-minded that they can see through a keyhole with both eyes at the same time. <laughs> Christian leaders need to be able to see the big picture, not just, you know, one little narrow view. How many times can problems in the church be traced to a one-sided attitude of the people. There's always two groups in every church. The one group, we never did it that way before. That's one group. And the other group is, we're going to change things just for the sake of changing things. Uh, you've always got those two groups. And they both see their side, and they think that is the only side there ought to be, and boy, they'll fight you over it. What makes this so serious is such heated arguments degenerate into things that are inconsequential. They're not important at all. But uh, people fight about it. And the whole while they're fighting, the important work of God's kingdom is being neglected. Now this is true. It might not sound true, but this is true. In a community in Oklahoma, for instance, one denomination a few years back was having a raging controversy over whether the Lord's Supper was valid when members of the congregation drank from individual cups? Or was it just valid when the whole congregation drank from one cup? Now, I know which church I would have gone to. <laughs> I would have gone to the individual cup church. Anyway, God's people, uh, they were there, the one cuppers, uh, on one side, and the two cuppers on the other side, they were fighting tooth and toenail. It, it even got into the newspapers. You know, it was so uh, uh, outgoing. Well, while they were doing all that, the lost people of the community were dying without a strong witness from the church. If there was ever a day when we cannot afford, as God's people, to be bogged down in inconsequential arguments and debates and all that about meaningless issues. This is the day 
We need everybody out on the battlefield for our risen Savior today, every one of us. Uh, you know, we need to stand tall in service. We need to stand up and, and take our stand for the Lord and in so many arenas of life today. Uh, the only hope for the church is flexibility in our thinking and openness in our approach to reaching people. That's very, very important. Thirdly, uh, there's a catfish. Uh, the third fish in the church pond is the catfish. This is a fish which is characterized, among other things, uh, as having a big mouth. Uh, it wouldn't be too much to say that catfish is most, mostly mouth. Uh, we have a few Christians like this in churches across uh, the country today. Our churches have people who pride themselves on their pious talk. They say the right thing at the right time. They talk a good game. Uh, from listening to them, you would think that nothing ever happens at the church, that they're not right in the middle of it. Uh, and then uh, they let you know that if uh, anything would happen to them, they died or moved or something, the church would just absolutely fall apart immediately. The problem is they spend too much time talking about what they're going to do and not enough time actually doing it. Some Christians spend their lifetime getting ready to witness. They talk about it, they study about it, they learn all the right techniques about it. They even go to seminars about it, they prepare for it. They just never, ever get around to doing it. They're talking. Some Christians talk about how much they love their church, but they never give anything to support the ministry of the church. Some Christians say they're going to make a decision for Christ. They're going to get right with the Lord. They're going to rededicate themselves to the Lord. They're going to become very active with the Lord. But they never get around to walking down the aisle of a church and taking a strong stand for God. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Jesus isn't interested in talk. He's interested in action. He said... Uh, not everyone who cries, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. Only he that is about the work of the Lord. Well, Christianity is not a matter of the mouth. It is a matter of the life. And Jesus, of course, is interested in what we do in our actions. Well, the last fish we want to talk about today is the goldfish. You know, of course, there's a goldfish. As we dip our nets into the church ponds all across America, we usually uh, will bring it up and there'll be some goldfish in there. What are they like? What are the characteristics of the prize fish in the church pond? Well, I'm so glad to report today that in our individual church pond here, that we have a whole lot of goldfish, a lot of really, really wonderful, mature, godly Christian people. Uh, I want to compliment uh, so many of you today that uh, take a strong stand for the Lord every day. 
I've been here long enough now to where I know uh, pretty much what everybody's doing. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful to see so many people that are so faithful week after week, month after month, year after year. Well, a goldfish is wholeheartedly committed to God. He's placed God first in his life, and his life kind of revolves around God's will and God's purpose for his life. That's kind of the theme uh, that moves the life forward. Secondly, the goldfish is wholeheartedly committed to the church. He's the one who's always there. The goldfish can be counted on. When there is a fellowship at the church, they uh, bring uh, some food. Uh, I served in a church years ago where we had these uh, uh, dinners and and, uh, whatnot uh, every month. And one fella would bring uh, two pickles in an ugly jar, two big pickles. And, of course, nobody would take that, and so he would go up at the end and get his jar and take it home. And then the next time we had one, he'd bring that jar back. And he did that for years. And uh, I asked him uh, one day, I said, have you ever eaten one of those pickles? He said, no, no, I just, I just bring those. I have never forgotten that. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Well, the goldfish, when there's work to be done, the, the goldfish is there. When Sonny rolls around, he's in his place. When it's time for the offering, he gives. He is a person who can be depended on. He is committed to the Lord and to his church. A goldfish is wholly committed also to his neighbor. He visits those who needs to be visited. He helps those who need to be helped. In his day-by-day life, he is constantly looking for other people to help, for other people to visit. Uh, He is sort of uh, showing an example of the Christian life. He loves his neighbor, and he shows it by the way that he lives. On the tombstone out in the old country graveyard, there was a saint of God, an old saint of God that had been faithful all of his life to the Lord and to the church, And this epitaph was written on the headstone. Think what a Christian man ought to be, and he was that. I thought that was great. You know, wouldn't you like to have that on your tombstone? That's a goldfish. In a day when the church ponds have eels and flounders and catfish, What the Lord really wants to see, of course, is more goldfish. I pray to God for more goldfish every day because they're the ones that make it all work. They're the ones that listen to the Lord and then follow what the Lord would have to say. Those are the ones, the men and women, the goldfish, who will dare to say, if I had a hundred lives... They would all be at Christ's disposal. What do you want to be in your life? 
you know, your life's not over. What do you want to be? I hope that you want to be a goldfish. The 28-year-old mother stared down at her son on the bed who was dying of terminal uh, leukemia. Although her heart was filled with sadness, she also had a strong feeling of determination in her heart. Like any parent, she wanted her son to grow up to realize all of the dreams that uh, he had had earlier in his life. Now that was no longer possible. The leukemia, of course, wouldn't allow that. But she still wanted some of her son's dreams to come true. So she went over uh, that day and took his hand and sat down on the seat beside his bed, and she said, uh, Billy, have you ever thought about what you wanted to be when you grew up? And he said, oh, yeah, Mom, I I wanted to be a fireman. Uh, That's what I've always wanted to be is a fireman. And she said, well, let's see if we can make that wish come true. Later in the day, she went to the local fire department, and uh, it was in Phoenix, Arizona, where she met Fireman Bob who had his heart as big as Phoenix. He was a fine Christian man. He was a goldfish, all the way goldfish. She explained her son's final wish and asked if it might be possible to bring a fire truck out to the hospital and and drive him around the block in the fire truck. Well, Fireman Bob said, hey, we can do better than that. A lot better, in fact. If you'll have your son ready at 7 o'clock Wednesday morning, we'll make him an honorary fireman for the whole day. The whole day. He can come down to the fire station with us and eat with us. And we'll go out on all the the fire calls that we get that day. We'll, We'll take him with us. If you'll give us his sizes, we'll get us a real fire uniform, a real one, not a toy one. We'll get him a real fire hat, not a toy one, with the emblem of the Phoenix Fire Department on it. And we'll give him a yellow slicker that he can put on and some rubber boots. They're manufactured right here in Phoenix, so we can get them, you know, in just a couple days. Three days later, Fireman Bob, who was a goldfish, picked up Billy, dressed him in his fire uniform, and escorted him from the hospital bed to the waiting hook and ladder truck. Billy got to sit in the back of the truck and and help in the steering of the truck uh, that day. He was just in heaven. This was the greatest thing that ever happened to him in his whole life. There were three fire calls in Phoenix that day, and Billy got to go out on all three calls. He rode in different uh, fire engines, the paramedic's van. He even got to ride in the fire chief's car. He was also videotaped by a local station for the news program. Having his dream come true with all the love and all the attention that was showered upon him and how much he just unbelievably enjoyed it all, the doctors uh, couldn't believe it when he lived three months longer than they thought he would. 
One night, all of his vital signs began to drop dramatically, and the head nurse thought, you know, nobody ought to be alone when they die. And so she called the family, and she got all them contacted, and they all began to come to the hospital. And the uh, nurse said, uh, you know, he did that, that fire truck thing. That was so big. That was so important to him. I'm going to call the fire chief and see if I can get him to send one of his firemen down here to kind of stand in the room as Billy goes through the transition of life. Well, the chief replied, we can do a lot better than that. In five minutes, will you please do me a favor? When you hear the sirens screaming, and you see the lights flashing, would you announce over the PA that there's not a fire, but the fire department is coming to see one of its finest members for the last time. If you'll open the window to his room, we'll really appreciate that. About five minutes later, a hook and ladder truck arrived from the hospital extended its ladder up to Billy's third floor open window, and 16 firefighters climbed up the ladder and into Billy's room. With his mother's permission, they hugged him, they held him, and they told him how much they loved him. With his uh, dying breath, Billy said, as he looked up into the fire chief's face, Chief, am I really a fireman now? Billy, you are, the chief said. What do you want to be? I hope you want to be a goldfish like Fireman Bob. I hope that you really want to serve others like Billy and like some folks that are in the nursing homes here and in our area. I hope you'll be a goldfish and reach out to your neighbors and touch them. If you want to be a great Christian, not just an average so-so Christian, if you want to be a great Christian, you can be. You can be. You just need to trust in the Lord and put your life in his hands. This morning, we're going to have an invitation, as we always do, and we're going to invite any that are in the house that have never trusted and believed in Christ to slip to the aisle and slip forward and take a stand for Jesus. If you're in the house and you've been visiting with us and you think you'd like to have this as your church home, the doors of the church are wide open today and we hope and pray that you'll slip out and come forward and take a stand for Christ in these moments. We're going to sing, If the Lord Leads, You Come. Let's stand together as we 